If I can, I'm going to shut Ashley down. Uh, if I remember how to do it. got one on me so she pointed that one out but I got one anyway all right well this is again uh, a map of his third missionary journey and I know I'm going to move around so I'll put this on so everybody can hear me good um, we started on this last week and uh, we didn't quite cover it all so we will hopefully finish it tonight and I think we will uh, but a couple things I want to point out. If you go to your timeline, uh, you go to um, the page where it says AD 53. It's 53 on the side, 54 and 55. We are in your Bibles, uh, chapter, excuse me, um, I believe it's 18. Yeah, at the end of chapter 18, um, about verse 23, that's when he starts his missionary journey. Now, I gave some homework. Does anybody remember that? Did anybody get that? Pardon me? Yes. Who was with him on this missionary journey? That was a little bit of a trick question, but it's also got a solid answer. Did anybody find any answers? You might have. <laughs> well, there is a place in the Bible where you find some traveling companions, but here's where the trick question part is. And um, if you look in your Bibles in Acts chapter uh, 20, uh, verse 4, you will find a list of people that was that accompanied him. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce a couple of these. If one of you want to, you'd be more than welcome. Um, but these are some of his companions that he had uh, on this third missionary journey. Here's the trick question part. From what we can tell, who was with him when he left Antioch to start on this third missionary journey? I'm asking if anybody has a guess or an idea. Luke, the last, the third missionary journey, who was with Paul when he left Antioch to start on this third missionary journey? Was anyone with him or was he by himself? He was by himself. The best we can tell. He was probably by himself. Luke could have been but I, best that that historians can tell. This is only. There's my dog. Um, this is only a three minute time. I forgot about that, so I have to touch this a lot, uh, or just let it go here in a minute. But uh, it's more than likely he picked up Timothy and Luke uh, either at Ephesus or 
right here somewhere in Galatia. And there's not a concrete answer on that. Some will say there is, some will say there's not. And anytime there's that much disparity, uh, I kind of lean towards, you know what, I'm not 100% sure. Some even say they were with him when he left Antioch. I've read all three possibilities. And there's a little bit tidbits here to back all three up. So we're just going to say somewhere along the line, they met up with him. So, um, but if you go back into chapter 18 where we were at, verse 23, uh, let's go back to verse um, 22 so you'll get the full effect of this. Everybody there? Okay. So when he landed at Caesarea and gone up and slew the church, he went down to Antioch, which when we say down, it means in elevation, not in compass point. Because he was south of Antioch, but because elevation, that's why it says down. Then verse 23, and after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and, and Phrygia in order strengthening all the disciples. And a certain Jew named Apollos, and it goes on, I went over this last week about when he got to uh, Ephesus. Apollos was there. Aquila and Priscilla uh, instructed him more uh, in the way of Christ. He had only heard of John the Baptist. So he left and went over to Corinth. Now we also know this, uh, this fellow named Apollos, if you look, an eloquent man, already in the scriptures. So it probably did not take a whole lot of teaching from Aquila and Priscilla for things to click with this guy. If he was, and the Bible says, you know, if he was that um, well read and educated in the Old Testament, once he heard the full, the complete gospel, he probably grasped a lot of things really quick. And they spent some time with him. So Paul gets there in chapter nineteen, verse one, and it came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed to the upper. Coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, and he asked him if they'd receive the Holy Ghost. I said, "We don't, you know, we don't, we don't know. We never heard of that." Um, then you read on down. Paul laid hands on him. He gave him the, the the complete gospel, and they received the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. I'll point something out right here. The other three times in the Book of Acts, when a new uh, can't think the word I want, nationality of people were born again, received the Holy Ghost. There was a certain apostle that was always present the first three times. Do you remember who that was? Peter. Remember, the Jews seek a sign. Always remember that. That's important in your Bible studies. And they needed a sign, a sign to see things that were authentic of God. Example, Gideon put his fleece out. Uh, I can give you lots more examples like that where they did things to seek a sign to show for sure that it was God. Uh, do you know in the book of Acts, the first chapter, after they cast lots to find out who the new apostle ought to be to replace Judas, that's the last time we see that taking place. From that point forward, Holy Spirit showed them what they were to do. Not just some odd random event. Um, so anyhow um, then my, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible in verse 13 of chapter 19 
the vagabond Jews, the exorcists, uh, they were going to call upon the name of Paul and Jesus and cast demons out of this fellow. And, uh, he said the Bible said he ever took them, ripped their clothes off, beat them up pretty good, and run them out of the house. And the name of Christ was magnified because of this. Let me tell you something, church. Just because something seems like it's negative sometimes doesn't mean God won't use it. Because here, if you think about this, you're thinking, man, they just destroyed the gospel. No, they didn't. They, what they did was they solidified it. It proved that without Jesus Christ, you're nothing. It showed it that much stronger. It wasn't by the name of Paul they could do anything. I mean, that's like praying by the name of Mary. She can't help you. She can't do anything for you. Um, so anyway, uh, he spent, uh, I've read anywhere between two to two years and three months to three years at Ephesus. I lean more towards the three-year time frame. But if you look on your timeline here, on your, on your paper, um, in 53, Paul, Paul spends time in Antioch. He begins his third missionary journey, traveling through Galatia and Phrygia in Ephesus. Aquila, Priscilla, explained the gospel to Apollos. We talked about that. Apollos goes to Corinth. Paul rides in Ephesus. Stays three years. Teaching daily uh, in the hall of Tyrrhenius for two years. But he's there a total of three years. Um, then A.D. 54, Paul's there all year. He sends Timothy into Macedonia. Notice over to the far right column, there's something very important right there. What does that say? Nero, age 16, is emperor of Rome. Do you know who persecuted the Christians the most of all the Romans, Caesars, or emperors? Nero. He was basically a child when he took over as emperor. Uh, a 16-year-old kid is not prepared to rule the greatest dynasty that's ever been known in the world. Yep. Because of who he was. If you look back in your Old Testament, there's a couple of times king, certain kings came to power when they were kids. Young teenagers. Eight years old. He was taught the truth, but he didn't go that way. As you read the story, as he got older, he went to ways of the world and he made a lot of bad mistakes and it cost him and his country dearly. But anyway, so while well, there at Ephesus and this timeline tells us that Paul wrote four letters uh, to the Corinthians, that is a common belief uh, that he possibly did. Don't get caught up in that uh, because of just little things he said in his letters to the Corinthian church. But let me tell you something. And I say this before and I'm going to say it again. I want you to listen. If somebody tells you in a YouTube video, in a book, or anything else that I have one of the missing letters of Paul to the church at Corinth, turn on Garfield and watch him instead. Go watch uh, the, the day that Squirrel went berserk in the self-righteous church in Pascaloo, whatever it was or something. That's probably got more truth to it than that guy does or that female. Don't, list, don't pay attention to that stuff. We have the canon of the scriptures. This is a complete Bible. And God ain't going to drop down another new epistle in our lap. It's not happening. Uh, I will say this. The Jews will be revealed some things in the tribulation period that you and I are not going to see while we're here. But that's another subject. 
So why at Ephesus? Paul writes 1 Corinthians. He sends that um, there. Uh, quick trip to Corinthians and back to Ephesus. Then if you look down at the bottom, Paul writes a third letter, which it says in those parentheses, it says, which we do not have. In Ephesus and sends it to Corinth. Titus carries this later and stays to fix the church. So Paul sent Titus there to try to help things out because again, you've heard me say this, excuse me, the Corinthian church was the most corrupt carnal church in the history of the church. So uh, at the end of his time at Ephesus, a silversmith got a big uproar going, wanted to kill Paul. The town clerk said, you better leave him alone. We don't really have anything to accuse him of. You all are fixing a mess up. You're going to get a prison for murder if you're not careful. Because you're not, you demand it did anything wrong. So he kind of calms the crowd down. They disperse. They go on their way. And then Paul goes to Macedonia. We're in chapter 20 is where we are now. On your timeline, uh, AD 56, top left hand of the page, in the fall in, a, in, the, in the fall, Paul leaves Ephesus for Corinth and goes through Troas and Macedonia. So if you look, let me pull this down and try to get that part out of the way. I don't know why it won't stay up, but it's okay. So he's in Ephesus for three years. He leaves. He goes to Troas and then Macedonia. Remember, that is a region with all these towns and cities in it. Um, this is where the guy, Paul preached at midnight. The guy falls. Paul lays on him. He's probably killed. He fell out of the rafters as Paul's preaching. Uh, he comes back to life. And then he moves on over to Philippi. So uh, just so you know, on his third missionary journey, he did not start any churches that we know of that's recorded. The best we can tell is he just reassured all the churches that had already been started. He visited them to encourage them, to help them, to instruct them. So, um, he, we know that he has Timothy and Luke with him at this point because as you read your Bible, you see where occasionally Luke will say, us, we. A lot of times he's referring just to Paul, but then he'll, as a traveler, he'll say us or we. So you catch little glimpses there of Luke, the writer of Acts, showing that he's with Paul. Now, we get to, we, I'm going to read these first four verses because I want you to catch this, and we're going to try to get to this point tonight. In verse 1, it said, After the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And we had gone over these, those parts and had given them much exhortation. He came into Greece. And there abode uh, three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, he was about to sail into Syria. He purposed to go, return through Macedonia. And here's some of his companions at this time. And there accompanied him into Asia, Sophotir of Berea and of the Thessalonians, Ardichus, that fella, and yeah, I like that. And of Gaius and Derby and Timotheus and of Asia, Tychius and Tropimus. Tropimus. Thank you, John. I'm halfway right. Uh, these going before tarried for 
us at Troas. And we sailed away from Philip be after the days of unleavened bread and came into them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. So he's meeting with some of these people and some of them are with him. So what Paul does when he comes down to Greece, he spends time at Corinth. He's going to get on a boat and take off this way. But he finds out that the Jews are laying wait for him. So instead he goes by land all the way back up this way, all the way to Philippi and Neapolis. And then that's when he gets on a boat and he comes back across the Troas. And then he makes a lot of stops along the way. As he's making these stops, some of these traveling companions are staying behind in certain places. By the time he gets to Jerusalem, and I'm cutting a lot off here for time's sake and just details, they are important. By the time he gets here, He's only got about two or three people left with him. Does anybody know who those are? It does tell you in your Bible. Very clear, the best we can tell. Um, so throughout his journey, he is warned of the coming events at what waits him at Jerusalem. They warn him at Ephesus. That's what chapter um, 20, a lot of that is about. Uh, he calls for the elders to meet him at Eph- from Ephesus. They meet him at Medius. I'm probably not pronouncing that Miletus correctly. They come down. They meet him here. And here this little box that said he exhorts Ephesian elders and says the tribulations and chains await him in Jerusalem. Elders weep because they won't see Paul anymore. He's telling them, when I get to Jerusalem, I'm probably going to be arrested. And he's warned different times. As you read on through this um, story, when you get into chapter 21, you see where someone bind themselves and said the man whose this cloak belongs to was going to be bound like this at Jerusalem, and it was Paul's cloak. Uh, other people warned him. He's warned over and over. But Paul says, I do not care. I'm going to Jerusalem. All right, any questions or comments on that? All right, if you go down, I'm going to jump way ahead. <laughs> oh, let me point out one thing. Um, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, turn there. All right, and I have shewed you, this is Paul talking, all things, how that so laboring he ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You want another homework assignment? Find out if that's mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. If them words right there he's in red are mentioned anywhere else in the Bible, when he said, Lord Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. See if that sentence occurs anywhere else in your Bible. For those of you that's computer savvy, you can find out in about 15 seconds. Maybe 30 if it takes you that long to type it. I'll let you all research it and you can come back and tell me. Did you find it? Because I seen you looking down. I thought maybe you were checking. Because you were afraid I was going to call on you. Um, find out if that's mentioned anywhere else in the Bible between now and next day. Lights flashed. Um, and then 
Verse 36, and when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorry most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him into the ship. So chapter 21 is Paul continuing his journey there. If you get down to verse 11 in chapter 21, uh, go back up to verse 9. And the same is speaking of a... uh, We'll go to verse 8, so that way you get it. Um, And the next day we went... uh, Next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he had was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When he had heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. But Paul answered, what many to weep and to break mine heart. For I am ready, not only to only but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see another warning there of what is going to happen to him at Jerusalem. So after this, uh, verse 14, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. After those days, we took up our carriages and went up to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea and brought with them one Manison of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Now he has a fellow with him from Ephesus. We know that Luke is with him because notice it says, we, us. So he has Luke with him at the time. Everybody with me on that? Notice verse 18, the day following Paul went in with us unto James and all the elders were present so a group of them went to the church at Jerusalem so we have the guy from uh, Ephesus that tells us this we have this fellow from Cyprus we don't know much about him Uh, what it says here is about all we know Uh, it just says that you know uh, a certain disciple of Caesarea brought with him one Manson of Cyprus an old disciple with whom we should lodge so there's two other guys so there's about five or six people potentially with him when he gets to Jerusalem. But we know, if you remember when we discussed this, um, he's warned again. Disciples warned Paul on journey to Jerusalem. Paul determined to do the will of the Lord and to go to Jerusalem. So uh, this was his final warning. Uh, He was arrested in the temple. Uh, When he got to Jerusalem, if you remember, that's when James and the elders said, look, we know you took a vow. Would you care to go to the temple? Do the Nazarite vow. We got four guys that took this vow. They're going to go with you to show the Jews all the things we've heard about you are not true. Because they were accusing him of saying that they should not observe the law of Moses. And basically they were distorting what Paul was saying. All he was doing was giving the gospel saying the law of Moses will not get you saved. Salvation is only by Jesus Christ. He did not, he did not tell them not to observe the law of Moses. He just said it will not get you salvation. But they distorted what he said. Don't that sound familiar today? All the time. Um, And so he gets there. They arrest him. 
And the reason being is the fellow from Ephesus. Uh, let me try to find it here real quick. I knew I should have. Verse 29. If you look, chapter 21, um, go up to, go up to um, 27. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him crying out, Men of Israel, help. This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Now when I say this place, they're speaking of the temple. And the law in this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen before him, seen, had seen before with him in the city, how do you say that, John? Tropemus, and an Ephesian whom they supposed that Paul brought into the temple. Excuse me. Notice it said, they supposed. They had no proof. None. Now, I'll ask you this and we'll be done for tonight. Are Gentiles allowed in the temple? That's a straight up yes or no answer. That's correct. We were only allowed in the outer, the like the outside of the walls. That's as close as we could get. We could not go into the outer court of the temple. We were not allowed in there as Gentiles. See what a difference Jesus made in our lives. Not only are we allowed into the temple now, we go right to the throne. I don't need nobody's permission to get there, but Jesus's, and He gave me His permission when He saved my soul. They can't. They're not allowed up there right now. Only Muslims. That's going to change before long, by the way. And just so you know, um, I'll turn these off. Uh, by the time that happens, by the time that new temple is built, we are gone. We are out of here. Right, they pray on the wall, but up on top where the dome is at, they cannot practice up there. They cannot have any part of that. That is strictly Muslim territory. But um, they are already petitioning to build a new temple. They have it prefabbed. I know people that's put their hands on it, that have seen it firsthand. Um, and there's a lot of things. They got the red heifers. There's a lot of things that go with that. I don't want to get off the subject. But anyway, um, but that completes Paul's missionary journeys. So I hope some of this is staying with you. I hope you're retaining some of it. Um, again, so when you read the book of Acts or you read one of these epistles or you hear certain messages or things about the Bible, uh, it, it comes to life to you just a little bit more. It has a little bit more meaning to you. It makes a little more sense. So has anybody got any questions on anything?